Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Little Woman, and I'm happy to be joined once again by my friend Hannah Couture. Hannah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And Kayla Stetzel. Kayla, welcome back. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a, it's been a yeah. moment, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so Kayla and Hannah joined me uh, last June on the Booksmart podcast, and I knew they were both fans of this movie and Greta Gerwig, so I really wanted to have them both on to talk about Little Woman, which is the newest film from Greta Gerwig, who made her solo directorial debut a couple years ago with Lady Bird and with all the cachet that comes with making an original movie that makes a ton of money on a small budget. She decided to do something that many people have tried to do before, so very ambitious in trying to remake Little Woman, which is the uh, an adaptation of the 1868-69 novel by Lucy May. Alcott that has been made in just a ton of format. So it was a very big, uh, very big ambitious uh, goal that Greta Gerwig set out for herself. And she said, you know what, I'm going to go do it again. And a lot of people know the 1994 version that got a couple Oscar nominations, including one for Winona Ryder. But, you know, Greta Gerwig said, I'm going to go do my own thing. And for those of you who are uninitiated, though, I'm assuming anyone that's listening to this has seen the movie or read the book because a lot of people have done those things. Uh, it's the story of four sisters growing up in the uh, latter days of the Civil War and the early days of Reconstruction in Massachusetts. There is Meg, who is played here by Emma Watson, Joe by Saoirse Ronan, Beth, who is played by Eliza Scanlon, and Amy, who is played by Florence Pugh, who, and they live with their mother, who is played by Laura Dern, and they befriend their neighbor, Timothy Chalamet, and they grow up and face a lot of the challenges that come with being young women that are growing up in that time as they want to forge their own paths in life. Uh, guys, I'm uh, really happy you guys could join me to talk about this because I we, we're all coming at this from actually pretty different perspectives. I've done a lot of podcasts with Hannah before on movies that have like source material of some sort in which Hannah's normally more well versed. But I just read Little Woman for the first time since I was very young, and I also watched the 1994 version, which I know both of you are very familiar with, but haven't read the book in quite a while. So that's just different ways to come at a movie like this. So I guess I'll 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 start with you, Kayla. Uh, as someone who, as you've told me, was very familiar with the 1994 version, and I know Hannah's favorite movie and my favorite movie of 2017 were Lady Bird. I'm pretty sure it was probably up there for you. It was your. Yeah, it was also was your number one favorite as well. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. as someone who is that familiar with the 1994 version of uh, Little Woman, and well, and presumably a big fan of Greta Gerwig, who wanted to see what she did next, uh, what are you even hoping for when you see? Oh, she's going to do this movie, and did did she surprise you? She surprised me in the best way. Well, first of all, I had very high expectations and a complete belief she would fulfill all of my dreams as an audience <laughs> member and she did and exceeded them. And I was really happy about that. I've been following that for a long time. Uh, cause there's a lot of whispers on the internet about her vying for the rights of the film. And then when I heard about the cast lineup, I was gobsmacked. <laughs> um, it would be, I feel like you'd be hard pressed to not make a great movie with Streep, Dern, Ronan and Pew. Um, and, and you know, Chalamet. Timmy Chalamet, uh, lest we forget. And Emma Watson, she's cool. As well, um, but so many power hitters, and Greta, uh, who's just so exciting. I'm like, I'm more excited about her career than my own, probably. <laughs> um, so I think she really kind of took her spin on Little Women, and it made it feel so much more personable and visceral to me than any other version I've seen. And I've seen the Katherine Hepburn version, which I think is the oldest version from like I believe 39, wow. 1939 and the 1994 version, like 
a bajillion times. That was like my mom's favorite film for a, for a bit. So I watched it like all the time growing up. Um, yeah. And this may be my favorite version. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Hannah, I know you hadn't read the book since you were little and you waited till after you saw Greta's version to rewatch the 1994 version. Uh, what was, what were your expectations and do you think you benefited from going in relatively blind compared to, at least compared to how I experienced it? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going in totally blind. I had read the book and seen the 1994 version, Mm -hmm. but not since I was maybe nine years old. So I knew the basics of the story, but I didn't remember it well enough to have like a really strong opinion about how it should be adapted. Mm -hmm. And I did initially I was like, Oh, I should rewatch the 1994 one better. That's not like super fresh in my mind. Cause I don't want to be comparing it to the other movie the whole time. So I just right. rewatched um, that one last night um, and I liked it and they are very different movies. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think one is better than the other, but they, um, Greta Gerwig and um, Jillian Armstrong, is that her name, yes. who directed the 1994 mm-hmm. version, they took really different approaches. It was it, it was interesting to watch them both close together and see, like, which characters the different versions chose to emphasize. You know, there are storylines that get more focus in both of them. So I went into it expecting that I would like it because, as we've talked about, I'm a big fan of Greta Gerwig. I love Lady Bird. Yeah, I like a lot of the actors in this movie. But I was maybe more interested in it as like a Greta Gerwig project than I was interested in it as a little women adaptation. Cause I know a lot of people feel really strongly about the book and especially about the Winona Ryder movie. And I like them, but I don't feel like really invested in what people do with them, you know? Yeah. So I was just like, I was expecting to enjoy it, but I didn't have like a lot writing on it or anything. Yeah. And I promise I'm not going to spend this whole conversation just saying like, oh, but the book did this and the movie did this and the book did right. that and the movie did that. But I'll just say that obviously I'm coming at it very differently if I read this 700 page book right before I, right before I see the movie. And I guess my hope for that was that there's so much stuff in this book that is like very, very extraneous. And there's like 15 pages where it's Joe complaining about having to run errands with, run errands with Amy and just literally 15 pages of that, or like a 10 page digression on one of the plays they're performing, which I just didn't really care about and things like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I trust her to like cut out the stuff that doesn't matter and emphasize the stuff that does. And she did do that, but like there are probably moments where this movie was edited, which I really appreciate the ambition that it took to like do something that distinct and start this at the point at which they're older. Cause I found that part of the book more interesting. And I didn't, I was kind of tired of waiting for them to get to that point in life while reading the book. I'm like, I like the way she's jumping around. And I'll just say like, I, I really like, I really love this movie too. And depending on how you read the ending, I either like really loved it or just liked it. And we're going to talk about <laughs> the ending. And I, so I really liked it a lot, but there, I, there, there may be a few moments where I was like, okay, the editing might've gotten a little too much for me for a few of the moments that I really loved in the book quite as much to land. But I still like, again, all these performers are great. Uh, this movie sounds great. Thanks to Alexander Desplat. It looks really great. And I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching it and I could keep, just keep doing it for a while. So, but that, I think one of the, oh, you guys both mentioned the 1994 movie and that one, I think it tracks a little more closely with certain parts of the book and it does it in complete chronological order. What did you think, Kayla, of the greatest decision to kind of be like, all right, I'm going to screw with these timelines and uh, do cut this up in my own way. That was the best decision she could possibly make. Yeah. Um, artistically, you need to differentiate yourself. And there's been so many versions of this story. There's been many series. There was an anime version. There's I was an anime told- version. Yeah. Um, also like a different, like sort of TV series there and just so, I mean, four different film, I guess three different films. Um, but we know this story. People know this story. 
they're attached to it. And if it was just done chronologically, you'd compare them much more. Um, Mm -hmm. But in this way, it also allowed her to expand the world a little bit um, because you open on, I guess you don't open on the scene, but very close to the opening, you open on an adult Amy in, in Paris saying like, I can't believe Joe turned you down to, to Lori. Right. Um, which you don't really see that in any other version. So it, it made it seem more of a whole world that was ripe for exploring as opposed to just like another adaptation of the same thing we, we know and love, you know? Um, so I think that really kind of kept things fresh, but also, allowed for a more nuanced and deeper exploration of this whole cinematic universe, for lack of a better term. I want to ask Hannah about the time jumping, but you also just mentioned Amy. And I think one thing that people talk a lot about is how they think this movie actually got Amy better in certain ways and made her a more uh, a character that people could identify with more and mm-hmm. could tolerate mm-hmm. more because in the book and and certainly in the, in the 1994 version where she's played by Kirsten Dunst when she's very young uh, she's just it's just a straight brat and uh, Hannah do you think in addition to whether or not you thought the time jumping was effective do you think it was specifically effective and uh, because Florence Pugh is just so good I think as older Amy younger Amy I, I'm I'm kind of torn on if they uh, if it's a little weird to have her doing like seven year old things when she is being played by a 22 year old uh but i think like do you think it helped a little bit just make that character work in a different way to like actually show the audience that version of her so early in the film uh yeah i do i think i mean i before i saw it i had seen some people mention that like this is that this version like really is the most sympathetic to amy and like does a lot with that character and it is funny to because so often people like basically if people know anything about little women it's that beth dies and amy is the worst like (laughs) not to spoil it for anybody but like come on um we're we're spoiling this movie people have had 200 years to read this book you have had plenty of time um yeah and it is you know kirsten dunst in the 1994 version does just kind of play her as a brat but it is funny how people talk about her like she's a villain when she's just like kind of an annoying kid um so it was interesting to see this interpretation which i really enjoyed i think florence Pugh is great and she's very funny and I wasn't as bothered by her playing the young Amy as a young teen because I feel like they don't um, they don't really specify how old she's meant to be. So if you if you're just sort of like yeah she's like a young teen and then she's twenty like that's I can suspend my disbelief enough to I understand why you wouldn't I mean there's arguments both ways but I understand why you wouldn't want to cast two actresses especially if you're I don't know if you're cutting back and forth I don't know if that makes it easier to follow or not but um, I did I enjoyed the the non-chronological storytelling and I enjoyed um, Florence Pugh as Amy a lot. Yeah. I guess the, the two things I'll say, and, and I, I saw it twice and the second time it really fell into a really nice rhythm for me where I was like, Oh, I, I see exactly what she's doing here. I get where she's cutting and where she's jumping back and forth in this structure. Like it clearly makes a lot of sense to me. The only two things that I think were uh, maybe didn't work as much for me because of that. And just because there, there, there weren't as many long scenes because of the way she did that, where I'd say was one when uh, is when uh, Lori actually comes and professes his love to Joe and tries to propose to her and she shuts him down, which is uh, one 
of the best acted scenes in the movie and one of the more iconic scenes in the book. It felt maybe a slightly out of nowhere for me and uh, a little bit in the book, in the movie, because in the book, it's like it's really built up. And uh, this is something both movies do. But like she goes to New York to get away from him specifically, basically, where she's like she is flirting with her so much. And she just like knows some kind of proposal might be coming. And she's like, I'm running away to New York. I can't even deal with you right now. <laughs> and, and, and that's basically why she does it. So it's like you kind of like know that that is coming and it's kind of built its way up to that. And I thought we were going to get like more scenes of them kind of f- him flirting with her. But you get a lot of good longing looks from uh, from Timothy well, at her, which kind of serves the same purpose. What's interesting to me, though, is that's the whole purpose, I feel, of Greta's adaptation is it's not a love story about her and any person, but mm-hmm. it's really about the birth of her work and her writing. Yeah. Um, so that love story aspect was so minimized in this adaptation, which like the first time I saw it, I was kind of wanting almost a little bit more because I didn't feel like there was enough emotional payoff with that scene. Um, I didn't get the, I don't know, wasn't as much like longing, I guess, from Timmy's character. Yes. They talked about it a lot, but you didn't really feel like right. the traumatic, like the sense of loss in that. Um, it felt kind of more distant, but you do, it does open kind of with the, the, birth of the pitch you know the birth of her writing career yes and then you know closes on that as well so like the first time I saw it I kind of felt like yeah they didn't really spend much time on this but also it's structured differently and it's focusing on this different thing which may or may not have been good but um I also wanted to point out like every other version there was like a kiss um and I don't think other than the Amy and Lori kiss there was no um any kiss between Lori and Joe. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting. The 1984 one actually has uh, has has obviously like uh, Lori just planning a kiss on her right there in that scene where he yeah. proposes to her, and it has and it actually has her and uh, Professor Bear engage in some kind of romantic relationship before he comes back to her at the end, which is into the book. And, and they is kiss at the opera too. They right, kiss. exactly. Yes. Yeah, they've already started their love affair of some sort before she goes back mm-hmm. to tend to Beth. Uh, but I, I think it was interesting that you mentioned the movie had different priorities with respect to Joe, which. I which I agree. It's just I, I, I kind of thought we were going to get a little more like flirty banter from them before it led up yes. to that because I, yeah, I was just I expecting agree. that given their chemistry. But I, I think the movie does a better job of setting up the uh, Amy, the Amy Laurie romance uh, than the book did for me. Even the book did for me, let alone the 1994 movie. And I think uh, a lot of that credit does go to Florence Pugh. But uh, one thing that we kind of, and you also mentioned the the book part of it and how it sets up her writing career. And I think rightfully so one of the things that this movie has gotten a lot of credit for is uh being a being being a movie about money and about the economic opportunity in that time and uh how marriage plays into that and i think they some of that is in the book but i think greta added a lot some of greta wrote new material somewhat also for that scene where amy and lawyer specifically talking about like what marriage is going to mean for a woman and whether or not she should marry rich and all that and uh hearing her actually kind of uh talk to him like that but also have the scenes in which she tells him off i don't know that stuff really really worked for me what, what did you think about the uh amy and Lori and how they and how greta pulled that off after kind of seeing how that was done 25 years ago hannah oh i i really enjoyed it i really like that scene that you ta- are talking about when Lori mm-hmm. comes to see amy um and she has this speech about like you know you don't understand that like marriage is an economic proposition for you know this is not i'm this is not a decision i'm making lightly and um I just, yeah, I mean, Amy 
is I, I feel like given so much more depth in this version in a way I really appreciate it. And you, you're right that there's like much more set up. It doesn't feel rushed when she and Lori get together in a way that maybe some other versions it could feel like, but I, I also didn't feel like um, the Lori and Joe stuff felt too rushed either. Maybe it's just because I know that that's what happens in little women. You know, it's kind of right. hard to differentiate me being like, yeah, because that's what happens in this story from like, how well is this version build it up? But, um, yeah, i I felt in both cases that there was enough, I feel like there are enough scenes of Lori, like talking to and like playing with all of the March sisters that like, you understand how, how big a part he is of their lives, not just romantically, but that like, he has always been around them so much that it's not too surprising when anybody gets romantically involved with him and the movie also does a good job of talking about like and and very subtly doing it there there's it's like a line here and a line there but really like actually fills in the background of like how messed up his family is and yeah and just like how he never had that is his uh what his 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 dad was kind of disowned and his uh and when and his mom died and he just has never had a family and you get why he wants to be in that family so badly Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is um, much more fleshed out in this version too. His really like Chris Cooper, I think, is really good in this movie. And that like Tim or Timmy Laurie's relationship. <laughs> you can call him uh, Timmy. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Laurie's relationship uh, with Mr. Lawrence is like you get a much better idea of like how lonely his life has been. So yeah. I liked that also. No, for sure. Um, I also wanted to mention, uh, and I found this interesting, I only noticed it the last time I went to theaters to see this film a couple days ago in Los Angeles, the poster of Little Women, or at least the one that I saw out on the marquee, Florence Pugh as Amy's front and center. So it's almost like, this almost feels like a movie that's about more so Amy, kind of. And I know that Greta held up production to get Florence casted, which I think was worth the gamble because there was a huge payoff. Did you, watch, did you watch your actors on actors variety thing with Beanie Feldstein? No, a huge, a huge chunk of it because yeah. I love both. Yeah. Of I heard that, I heard that story. She told this, she told that story there, how she like freaked out on the phone to Greta about how it wasn't going to work out with her timing for, I think filming Midsommar and, and then Greta's like, Oh no, 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 we'll get, we'll get it to work. And somehow they got it to work. So I'm, I'm glad they did. Um, yeah. well, one thing that's funny though, do you guys, did you guys uh, watch Eliza Scanlon and sharp objects or did you not watch sharp objects? I only watched the first couple episodes of Sharp Objects. It was one of those things that I I watched it and I was like, that's okay. And then I like forgot to finish it. I haven't started it. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, she plays like, she plays somewhat of like a a bratty, crazy younger sister in that. So, and when I'd started reading the book, I think for Little Woman before I watched the trailer and then, but I think, or maybe I saw the trailer, but I didn't remember when they identified each of them by name, what was what. And I knew that Eliza Scanlon was was younger than Florence Pugh. So I just assumed she was going to play Amy because I could see her playing a bratty sister because I had just seen that. And I had seen, uh, and I had seen Florence Pugh in Midsommar where she's basically just like having the worst time ever. So I was like, oh, I could see her playing the sister that's slowly dying. So I kept thinking she was going to be Beth (laughs) And Eliza Sandler was going to be Amy. And I just had that in my head, like the whole time I was reading the book. And then I, and then I had to like readjust once I saw this. And I, I mean, I still think Eliza Scanlon could have made like a very good version of like the young Amy, but like, I don't know if anyone could have done what Ford's view did in the second half of this movie. So I was very happy to see it uh, play out the way it did. We didn't talk much about the uh, Beth and Meg yet. They're, they, they are like the, they are with good reason. They're, they're the two, they're, they're two lesser important characters than the other two sisters. But, uh, 
I mean, it's a pretty big deal that, like, one of the sisters dies. It's the impetus for a lot of the action in this movie. And also, one of my favorite passages in the book, which I went back and forth on a little bit as to, like, if I liked how the movie did it, was when she gets the piano from Mr. Lawrence. And it's, like, a very touching thing in the book because you spend a lot of time. Like, Beth is so sweet. Like, she she's just, like, the nicest little girl. I, I say that completely 100% genuinely. And I think you do kind of get that in the movie. But in the book, it's, like, she is, like, so sweet, but she also has, like, extreme, like, social anxiety so much so that she can't even function in school and she mentions that in the movie it's like i'm so glad i don't have to go hang out with those girls at school when amy has a rough time but like she is like it's like a big deal for her to open up to anyone like she does to mr lawrence so i don't know Uh, kayla do you think we got the essence of beth and how do you think it handled kind of like her and how everyone in the family is reacting to her i thought this was the best version of beth that i've seen on screen Mm -hmm. um the scene with Mr. Lawrence, or yeah, Mr. Lawrence, uh, sounds so proper, where she comes over to play the piano in his house, and it's you see him sit on the mm-hmm. staircase and I like love that. gently like weep because he's thinking about his daughter and he's just having a moment. Mm-hmm. So heart wrenching and beautiful. Um, but yeah, this is the first film that I think kind of explores. Beth a little bit because you get her looking over at the Lawrence's house and she says, I'm afraid of boys and that big house scares me or something. Or boys <laughs> scare me and that house scares me. And then she mentions the line at school, like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to go to, the, to that school with all those girls. So you see a little bit more of her and then there's much more dialogue, like when um, Joe takes her to the sea and they, they sit on the, the beach together um, and chat. You see, I mean, I feel like Perhaps I'm just remembering the, the 1994 version wrong, but I feel like in that movie she just got sick and then ended up dying. Like I don't really remember much of Beth in that film, but here she played like a marginally bigger role, and I feel like those little like dots of dialogue, lines of dialogue, kind of shed light on her character a little bit more. Um, but yeah, Mr. Lawrence, I like that he was in this film because I don't. I he was just like a random dude that may or may not have shown up in the 1994 version. Can't even remember. Um, but that was when I favorite. Well, the piano thing comes out of nowhere in that moment. one because that was my thing. Yeah, yeah it when, does. When I, when I saw this one, I was like, "Oh man, I wish they had set that up a little more and just shown how like really just what how how big of a deal that would have been for Beth to put herself out there like that." And then I saw that the 1994 version doesn't even really try there. So I was like, "Okay, well they definitely like I I gotta I gotta just acknowledge the fact that like this can't be a five hour movie. Like things are just not going to be like as filled out and as thorough as they are in the book for better or worse because like like I said, they cut it, they trimmed a lot of fat when they whenever they adapt this. All, in any in any format so like they don't even try to do anything with her and her and mr lawrence in 1994 so i i liked how it was pulled off here but you said you also really like chris cooper hannah yeah i thought um i i thought he was really good he you know he's not in it a ton but he has two really effective scenes that one that kayla mentioned where he's standing in the other room listening to beth and then uh near the end of the movie after beth has died where he can't make himself go in the house he talks to and Jeff. those are yeah, and those are moments that don't necessarily need to be in the movie, but I think they really do a lot. I agree that this is probably the the best version of Beth, or at least not to keep comparing it to the nineteen ninety four version, but since I just watched it, like I think that in that one, um, Beth's death scene is very effective and like very moving, and that was one of the things that I remembered really well from when I saw it as a kid. But before that, she's not that much of a character and i feel like in this one you get a, a much better idea of who beth is yeah which i mean is not blocking too where they framed it like the first time she got sick 
and uh-huh. then Joe runs down the stairs, and then the second, you know, when she actually passes away, amazing, amazing cinema there. Oh, bo- oh, both time, the time times Joe's waking up, yeah. Yeah, the color editing's too, because the first one, it's all warm, and a lot of the flashbacks. Well, just are, the whole, just like the whole earlier timeline Amber, is lush. Yeah, amber yeah. hues, and then yeah, so just fascinating, and, and and that's one of the moments where I think the the non chronological editing is like that's the most effective when the, mm-hmm. you see Joe coming down the stairs both times to different outcomes I think is really good yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and I, I I was telling Hannah before we started recording I was worried that like that might confuse some people just because like one second it looks like she's getting better and then they're at the funeral but it seems like I don't I, I don't know it doesn't seem like too many people have had trouble with that because if, if, if you are familiar enough with the story it does it, it is really effective and <laughs> The ways it, in which it does go uh, back and forth, you know. I, I guess I don't know. I, I, I guess I'll, I'll ask you guys. I guess about Meg, and then we can we can kind of jump to the jump to the last act a little bit. Um, but I don't I don't really have a lot to say about Meg. I think Emma Watts is probably the, the the worst of these four actresses. I heard her accent crack a couple times, and yeah. Meg, Meg is just not that interesting. Uh, I, 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 I I I will say I will say that I, I like this version of. Uh, Mr. Brooke a lot more than Eric Stoltz playing him in the 1994 version, which is just bizarre. Yeah. It's probably, it's probably my fault for having enough that my, it's almost like by only knowing him from Pulp Fiction, really more so than anything else, like way more so than anything else. I'm going in there with a lot of baggage, but it's like, I'm sorry. Like he looks exactly like he did Pulp Fiction because those movies came out the same year year. and he just looks like, he just looks like the drug dealer. And now the drug dealer is supposed to be like courting this like very proper girl. And I, I I just, I just couldn't do it. And here is just like some other dude in the new movie who was, I mean, I, I I don't know. I just like the way he was played. He was so aloof and it, and so clueless because it was like these girls come in and out of rooms like a whirlwind and he doesn't know what to do with themselves. And I got a real kick out of them, but I mean, I also like they, they didn't do a lot in that later timeline with them besides this the whole storyline with her and the coat, and I thought that was played really well. So I don't know. Did you guys yeah. have any thoughts on just Meg? Because I really don't. I mean, I think she's probably the least interesting sister to Easily. begin with. Easily, arguably. I don't, but I, I mean, I thought Emma Watson was fine, but she, I think you're right, is that she just not doesn't have as much to work with to begin with. And I do think she's probably like the weakest actress of the I want to say, I, I do like fine. Emma Watson in some things, but you know, I don't dislike her. No, other, other things. Yeah. Like, great. in uh, bling ring. Great. Great. in perks of being a wildflower, Harry Potter, whatever. But like, yeah. I don't know, like all these, just about every other actress in this movie though is probably better than her. I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry. Well, it's, it's a tough, I mean, you're with some major heavy hitters yeah. there. It's, it's tough. How does this movie look um, with Emma Stone in it? Would you guys have rather had Emma Stone? I was going to say, I'm not sure what that i'm not sure that would work there's something though about emma watson that like i don't know what it is but i feel like she's very good at being like that motherly figure Mm -hmm. sister type of person um perhaps because we all just grew up seeing her in harry potter and she was like hermione granger so yeah i don't know there's something inherently relatable and likable about her and she seems like she's probably a little bit more proper and like a little bit more classy and perhaps a little bit more better than you (laughs) a little bit. Maybe that's just me bringing my own stuff to the table, but it made a great setup for Joe and her struggle with marriage. Cause that dialogue that they had before her wedding, Mm -hmm. which is like child is over. Like, Oh my gosh, don't leave me, whatever. I felt like that was more effective 
in this version than the other one. Um, but perhaps it was because of the non-chronological shooting. I don't know. Um, but I, I, like, but, but I, I like that, that, like them just trying to forge their different paths. I, I did think that was well played. And yeah. I, I don't think she was bad. There might have been a few moments here and there. Like I said, I didn't like her accent. But I, And I also say that I, I saw this point somewhere else. But if nothing else, like she looks like way more full of life in the first half of the movie than the second half of the movie, which I think is the point. Mm-hmm. And she gets some credit yeah, for that, too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing too seriously, like nothing too serious to mention about Meg, really. Yeah, no. I want to ask you guys about the uh, about about. The, I want to ask you guys about the ending now, and I can I, I can use that I can use that to work my way back into uh, Joe, okay. Joe's time in New York, or uh, which is really kind of minimized actually in this movie. But I was talking to Hannah some about it before we came on here, uh, Kayla. So I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you first. Do you think this ending is like kind of open to interpretation in the ways that some people have analyzed it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what I love about this ending, I love this ending because for me. It's true to how Louisa May Alcott would have preferred to end the book. Right. And mm-hmm. you get kind of this double, it's like, there's like three things going on for me. You get kind of this, I guess, ambiguous ending. If you want to read it as ambiguous, you also get kind of a lovely collapsing of Louisa May Alcott onto Joe's character, literally, because it's almost as if she wrote the book, Little Women, mm-hmm. um, which makes a lot of sense because Joe in, in many ways was her avatar of sorts. Like, even their family structure was very similar, and Louise Malcott also had a little sister who went and painted and was actually very good, and there's a lot of similarities between the character of Little Women in her actual life, um, and she never married or had children. And the book was written originally, like, as a series, and basically after the first part was published, they kind of coerced her into to marrying off Joe, so she, like, kind of to troll everybody in the late 1800s, married her off to this ugly, random guy who just like showed up and it was kind of a joke. Um, yeah. So, can, I, can I, can I cut you off there for one second? For because I, I actually, I saw this with the, the friend I, I was in with in New York. It was, it was a, a woman and I saw it with her. And then that, that night we went to, di- we went to get drinks with another friend of hers, another woman. And I had to ask both of them. I was like, all right, I have two women with me right now. Is this guy supposed to be hot that she marries in the, in, in the movie? Cause I'm like in the book, he's like described as like not being really attractive at all. He's supposed to be like really mm-hmm. old, and she actually describes him in the movie as being. Uh, I have I have the quote right here, as a uh, his clothes were rusty, his hands were large, and he hadn't had a really handsome feature in his face except his beautiful <laughs> teeth. Yet I really liked him, for he had a fine head, his linen was very nice, and he looked like a gentleman. The two buttons were off his coat, and there was a patch on one shoe. So Bear is, and he's supposed to be like 25 years older than her. And I'm like, is this yeah. Bear supposed to be hot? Uh, and I, I, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, because he's not much of a character, but like it's also a movie, so they might just make him hot for the sake of a movie. So she married him off in the book to like an ugly guy, but I don't think that's what Greta was doing here. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I, oh, yeah, go, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know that this is necessarily what I think, but I think you, I think you could argue that if you think that the, that, that this is just the sort of rushed ending that she wrote to make the editor happy. You could argue that casting like a younger, more attractive version of professor bear is sort of right. Um, an indication that this is like more of a fantasy. This isn't actually how it would work or how it actually went. 
Um, I don't know that I necessarily think that's what's happening. It could just be that they wanted to take the character in a different direction, but I don't know. I think the ending leaves some stuff like that up to interpretation. Well, yeah, I really like it. Like Kayla was saying, cause that we all, that's kind of been, that story has been told now a lot in the recent weeks since this movie came out that, you know, they're trying to make this a more, uh, Greta might've been giving Louisa May Alcott the ending she never got, which I love, right. I love that interpretation of it. And, uh, but, but at the same time, he's also there in the last scene when they're at the school. So if they didn't actually get married and she was just making it up for the sake of the book, why is he there at the school? Unless this, that, that scene is still within the context of the book that she's writing too. I don't know. So, but then at the same time, yeah. you have uh, – th- there's also the idea that maybe they actually just did get married. So I guess, I guess what you're, you're, you're saying, Kayla, is you're kind of of agreement that like us as the audience, we can take that either way we wanted to and just enjoy it yeah, however I mean, we want to? Ex- I, yes. Um, I also think – I mean – that they didn't get married. It was just kind of a, a nice little douche, like uh, just like a, a random ending that was just thrown out there to please the editors. But that's also why it doesn't really matter that he's hot because <laughs> he's just a not, he's a non ending. So um, one of my favorite lines right. I read, and I can't remember on what review at what magazine, but it was like professor rare was supposed to be like a bratwurst, but instead you get like Coco Van, like some fancy <laughs> French yeah. meal. But yeah, since he's like kind of a non it's like a fake ending, so it doesn't matter that it's attractive. Um, well, my thing is that if they if they if they actually did get married, then I think it it, it kind of would bother me that they just made him like some random hot guy that didn't have much of a story. Because you know, in the nineteen ninety four yeah. version, like when she's getting when she's being romanced by Gabriel Byrne, he who more resembles he and sounds part. like and what 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 he is in the book. And I was like, okay, well, if she's definitely getting, if she definitely gets married in that version, then that makes sense. But regardless of how he looks, it's just they spend more time with him. So like you know, I was talking to Hannah about this before. It's like. J- Joe is so iconic as a literary character for being ahead of her time and wanting to be independent and not needing a man that if you're going to put her with a man, you need to actually like make us believe that she would want to be with that man. And here it's like, I guess she, you kind of see that she's maybe attracted to the guy and then he like critiques her writing one time and they kind of dance at a party and then that's it. So it's like, I, I kind of, yeah. if, if, if that's the ending you choose, then I don't think they put in enough work. So I just want to choose the other ending, which it seems like you're kind of like a little more on the side of that being the right one anyway. So I think we'd kind of be in agreement that like, let's just kind of pretend that's what it actually was. And I also, um, what's really interesting to me too, is the, uh, the negotiation that she has with her editor at the end. Yeah, we didn't talk a lot about the Tracy Letts thing yet. What did you think about yeah. how they pulled that off? Lovely. Um, I love that framing, uh, and maybe I'm biased because I'm a journalist, um, but this is one of the best movies I've seen about writing in a long time, like the process and how you know tense it is to have someone read your work, and then you're and, shocked. And how small of a percentage it. of the yes, writing yes, that they actually um, get, and that still hasn't changed that much. They want you to change <laughs> your things and cut half of it. Um, but then the ending I thought was lovely, and the, the salary negotiations and the, the copyright we're actually, it's exactly what she got for writing Little Women. Right. And that was how she's able to support her entire family was through the copyright, uh, which she bargained for. So I just found that really interesting. And I love that Greta did her research. Um, cause I'm one of those people that just, I, I obsess over things and I, I like to learn about everything. So that was really cool to me. Um, cause you don't hear a lot about that type of stuff in an old timey movie. So again, the way she framed this really kind of opened it up to being a more, holistic story about what it's like to just to, to try and work and you know make your own way as a female during that time period yeah so hannah, it was interesting to me yeah hannah did you have any other kind of uh thoughts on the ending or because i i, I kind of like the idea of it just being yeah she just makes up that whole part of that story and uh has this badass negotiation is and is showing that like she can make it work financially in the world and 
you know, another thing I heard people say was that that whole entire last sequence where she chases him down, it shot like a romantic comedy. So that that makes everyone think like, yeah, this definitely is something she just like made up. Did you have any other uh, takes on how they kind of sequence that whole entire last uh, few minutes of the movie? Yeah, I mean, I I just think, I mean, I agree with what you've both been saying. Like, I, I think that the way this one ends is a good solution to the problem that I know a lot of people have maybe always found the ending of the book unsatisfying or like, you know, that or just that the story that has been about like what it's like to be a woman and like the expectations of what that means, it ends with. And then I married this man, you know, hmm. uh, it's it's just an interesting, you know, if you're going to adapt a story that has been adapted in movies and TV shows and in so many forms over hundreds of years at this point, you have to do something different with it. And I think that this was an interest, not a twist exactly, but it, you know, it's, I, I really enjoyed the way that they did it. I, I did like the framing device also. I'm always happy to see Tracy Letts. Yeah, no, he, it's, I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, and, and there, there's some, you could almost say there's some similarities between, uh, between Lady Bird as a character and Joe March or whatever, but it's like, uh, the angry grumpy editor or the guy, like, the guy he plays in Ford versus Ferrari is like, actually like, or the stern white man figure he plays in like so many movies is like, actually like really <laughs> different from like what he actually does in, uh, Lady Bird. So it's kind of cool He's to see. He's so that, good in Lady Bird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yes. kind of, it's, it's kind of cool to see he can, he can basically do, uh, anything i guess I, sorry go ahead I, add, I also love this is just a point on greta gerwig um i'm really happy she's starting to become one of those directors that has like an iconic cast you know like recurring cast repertory members. company yeah yeah yeah, yep. yeah. I, I love people who do that i don't know why um but it, it makes me excited to see what her future work is going to be like and who she's going to work with yeah, that was like really. That, there's no point to me saying that. It just makes me happy. So oh, I thought yeah. I'd it, it, it'd be kind of cool to see this like yeah her, her 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 be able to get the game together whenever he wants. I've, I think Timothy Shalma has given like several going interviews where he's like, oh, I would do anything for her even if it wasn't a part that big. So uh, good on him for uh, being down for the cause in that regard. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on uh, Laura Dern? Because I feel like uh, that's a that's a pretty important character, even if she only has a, a couple small moments. H- Hannah, did you think that? Uh, do I don't. I I don't like the word marmy though. I don't, I just don't like marmy as a word. Like, I don't You're know not why. Are you with marmy? It, 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 just the, the term, like, it grates on me for some reason. I don't know. It's not uh, great. So, uh, I'll, I'll just say, did you like the presence of her as the mother figure? Yeah, I mean, I like Laura Dern and basically everything. I'm, and it is, it was nice to see her in the, I feel like the last several years, like, you know, like Big Little Lies and Marriage Story, she's played these characters who are sort of over the top. And this was, it was nice to see her in this, um, just, playing like a nice person but like not in a boring way because she does have that scene that uh, Kayla mentioned earlier where she says like I'm angry every day like you she's not a huge character but I think you do get an idea of who she is and you get why Lori would be very drawn to her as yeah as well yeah Uh, and it's fascinating to me too because during that scene in the attic which I thought was very moving um and Laura does a great job in that and throughout like the whole Every little flash beat of Laura Dern's character, Marmy, um, I was going to say that to annoy you. Um, she does a great job, and I feel like there's a lot of depth there. And no offense to Susan Sarandon, but Marmy in the 1984 version I found to be very grating and very, like, preachy at times. Yeah. So I really appreciated Laura Dern's version. And may I just say that she looks so much like Saoirse's fictitious biological mom like <laughs> that scene in the attic they looked like they were related to one another or that they could have been so it, it really just sold me as like a true mother-daughter relationship um 
Yeah, and I always love me some more Laura Dern. It's the Dernissance. It's ongoing. <laughs> did, you, did you guys did you guys see uh, the, the speeches that Noah and Greta gave about her at some one of those award, like the New York Film Critics Award show or something? No, like that? I didn't actually. See, I, I saw, saw people talking about them. pictures and whatnot, and I mean, I'm well, they, yeah. just in L.A. and they were both in L.A. doing like different double features and Q and A's, and I missed both of them because I didn't get yeah. tickets. Yeah, Kayla somehow managed to like be near a uh, what a Lady Bird and Little Woman yeah, double Lady feature Bird, with Shirsha and, and Greta. Oh, yeah, with Sersha and Greta, and my Q&A. friend like held the door open for Sersha, and I was like, oh, um, next time, I guess. Wow. Epic fail on epic fail on your I part. I know, um, I know. Uh, but yeah, no, like th- that video is online somewhere if you want to see Noah Bombach and Greta Gerwig wearing uh, matching Laura Dern Laura sweaters. Dern. Oh, and, I and, did see that photo, yeah. yeah and then, and then, yeah. Re- and then reading each other's speeches. So like, you know, like Greta read the one that Noah wrote where he's talking about how like how, how like big of a crush he had on her when he was like 13 or something or 15 or something <laughs> when she was in like the first yeah. movie she was in. It's very good stuff. But I, I, I want to ask you guys about some a few other aspects of this movie before we just like run through a few of the other performances before we finish up because there's other things I want to talk about with this because yeah. uh, one of the things that I think we've already briefly mentioned though is just like how beautiful this movie looks but I feel like I'm a little actually unqualified to talk about some of the inspirations for this movie and uh, one thing that you guys were mentioning a couple times before we signed on was that and I've heard Greta talk about it in interviews a little bit was that like she probably actually received a lot of inspiration for this look of this movie from some 19th century painters uh what were your impressions uh Kayla as you were watching this and you're thinking like wow this is really beautiful and what was coming to mind for you um it's been a hot minute since I took a French art history class but and this artist isn't even French but for some reason I learned about her in my French class uh Marie Cassatt was a famous painter, Impressionist painter, and she's one of the only famous American um, female Impressionist painters. And a lot of her work was about mothers and daughters. Um, They're beautifully painted, and just the coloring and the way that they move on canvas reminded me so much of just some shots of Little Women, especially the scene at the beach when they're all playing in the water and running around the sand. I was like, that looks like a Marie Cassatt painting. Just there's several moments where I was like, whoa, I feel like Greta must have seen that work. And I don't know. I know that she, she's mentioned she studied paintings. I don't know what paintings, but it would make sense for her to draw from Marie Cassatt. But yeah, I'm just fascinated by how lush um, and alive and like almost like there was like a Christmassy glow around the whole movie, even though it wasn't like a Christmas film. Something deeply nostalgic about it, you know? Well, it does kind of yeah. open. There is there is that Christmas scene which opens the book, which they get to at some point here, which is like yeah. it, it just shows the warmth of that house very effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah, did anything strike you about just the the look, look and feel of the film? Um, not. I mean, I don't have any like specific detailed knowledge of it, but I um I was going to mention that I read a piece about the costumes in the movie, and mm-hmm. um it was interesting because uh, I think some people talk about how they're not totally period accurate, but like one of the interesting things that the costume designer said was that um, like Lori's clothes are not actually what would have been fashionable at the time, but that her thought process was that if he had grown up with his grandfather with basically only knowing his grandfather, he wouldn't know like what was fashionable. So his clothes are like a little bit <laughs> out of date. Um, I thought that was a cool detail. It still seems like, it still seems like the... Yeah, it's, yeah. It still seems like the ladies are pretty taken by him at like one of the first couple of ball scenes, though. So he's, it seems like he's probably doing okay. I mean, he's a wealthy guy who looks like Timmy Chalamet. So yeah. I will say about, guy can't catch a about, break. about Timothy Chalamet that I really like. I think he's really funny in Lady Bird. I think that Greta has really figured out how to use him. That like she sort of understands that 
he maybe, I mean, I think he's been good at other things, but that he maybe works best playing like a guy you would have an ill-advised crush on when you were 17. Like that's kind of his <laughs> wheelhouse. I also like the way that he moved in this film. He was very light mm-hmm. on his feet. I think he probably did ballet or something. He's French. Um, also too awkward to sit in a chair normally at the same time. Yeah, he was like, he was like jumping and kicking around and just doing interesting things. And that energy was, I think, added to kind of like the debauched, goofy nature of Laurie's character. And Timmy's very good at doing that. Um, I say Timmy like I know him. I don't know him. <laughs> so that was interesting to me. And something that I saw on the internet, which I, I think a journalist like asked about and got confirmed. But when uh, this is such an obscure detail, but it, right, it just go like, for blew it. I love this stuff. I heard it. Um, when Joe gave Lori the ring before he goes to Europe or grad school, wherever he's going, mm-hmm. she's wearing a long pleated skirt, and she's wearing that same skirt when Lori proposes to her. So it's almost like a dual proposal and they're wearing very similar outfits with very similar pieces. And that was like a very intentional choice by Greta. So I'm told, which is just like, wow, the detail, like who thinks of these things? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's fascinating when you learn about them, you know, there's also, wait, just one more thing since we're talking about costumes, there's also, you might've seen this, that somebody pointed out on Twitter that in the, the scene where, um, Lori proposes to Joe and they sort of have the argument, she is wearing a vest that he was wearing earlier in the movie. So mm-hmm. that they have, that they used, and then the costume designer also talks about um, that in this piece that I read, that she encouraged the cast members to kind of like swap clothing huh. to sort of show how involved they were in each other's lives. Interesting. I, uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I had missed that too, but, uh, no, I mean all the, I, I, I appreciated definitely all the costumes and i don't i can't really discern one period piece from another but it like i i could tell like they put a lot of thought into it just when you saw those ballroom scenes or the party scenes and like all these different girls and how they even it's it's pretty clear even to a, a noob like me that like oh yeah meg's meg's dress probably isn't as nice as those other ones or mm-hmm. something like that and they and yeah. it, it did kind of it did kind of get those it did kind of get those details right so i definitely appreciated that we and we've already talked a decent amount about the the politics of the movie and how it you know it, it definitely has something to say in in the way that women were uh kind of relegated economic uh socioeconomically at that time but one thing it does get in a few lines here and there as it does in the book and in the movie in the earlier movie about you know the marches politics and i i actually found that stuff really interesting i mean again this can't be a five-hour movie and though i that that was like some of the stuff i found the most interesting was like because we're just seeing them when they're at home like things basically for the most part just being super happy as a family or being like pretty sad as a family uh or like just being angry at one another when amy and uh joe are fighting but then we get these glimpses of like oh yeah you know like they're really poor because uh mr march tried to like you know educate the kids of freedmen or like oh yeah those marches never like found a cause they didn't like to take up or anything like that mm-hmm. uh would you guys think as far as like you know how the movie did and like at least trying to work that stuff in there because i actually think it's pretty interesting but again i understand not being able to go too in depth on it unless we're like doing a mini series you know <laughs> yeah i mean i do like that they make it clear that uh the march parents have beliefs that were maybe not typical of the time that they have raised their girls in a more progressive way than you would necessarily expect even you know in new england as opposed to the south like obviously there's a difference there but i i i mean it, you're right that it's hard to like this is such like an interesting and complicated period in history that you cannot get into 
the entire politics of the Civil War. But I like that they acknowledged that the marches at least understand as much as like white people in the late 1800s would understand. Um, you know, that I like that they acknowledge what is going on, even though it's a very, it really, I mean, they do go to Paris, but otherwise it's a very contained story about this one town. Like they do acknowledge sort of the wider world or at least the, what's going on in the rest of the country a little bit. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the March parents, uh, and, and you can take this opportunity to a- answer the question I just asked Hannah in any, you want, any way you want, Kayla, because this ties into it. Did, were you able to uh, just accept the fact that Bob Odenkirk was in this movie and not think too hard about it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I thought it was I – th- I love and it's beautiful to me that in some universe out there, Emma Watson – is related to him, you know, <laughs> sure. it's just fascinating. To think about. Like that's wild to me. Um, but yeah, my face lit up when he came, came onto screen for sure. I think um, I knew he was going to play their dad, but I wasn't sure. And then I was like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. Uh, I knew yeah. it, but it is still, cause he doesn't come in until, you know, like more than halfway in the movie. I yeah. knew it, but still when he showed up, like I, I don't think I laughed, but I was kind of like, oh, right. Like, there he <laughs> yeah, is. that and was like, my exact reaction, too. I like I think he's a great actor, but it was you. There's always a split second when you see him where you're like, wait, is this a Mr. Show sketch? Like, what's happening? But I mean, I've never actually great. watched I'm, Mr. I'm, Show myself, but like I just know him from like other stuff, obviously. And it's like even though like I mean, he's obviously proven himself to be a very good dr- dramatic actor in Breaking yeah. Bad and Better Call Saul. It's like this is still like bizarre to see him in a period piece. But then I thought about it and I was like. They didn't give him that many lines, and he did fine. Like if if, if, if like if, if I knew nothing about the guy, I would have thought he fit right in, you know. And I just got to like acknowledge that and be like, okay, yeah, he's allowed to do like other stuff, right? Yeah. And no, I think he's yeah. good in the movie. It was just funny for like yeah. a split second where you're like, oh right, there he is. Yeah. Yeah. How about <laughs> how about Meryl? She was Meryling very hard, wasn't she? Oh, she Merrills harder <laughs> than any other Meryl. Um, fascinating, and I loved how. Florence Pugh was just able to go toe to toe with her. I think mm-hmm. um, I've never been more excited for somebody else's acting career, truly. Um, but yeah, she just—I don't know. I, she's Meryl. I don't know what else to say. But just the way her eyes flicker and how she's got that icy death stare we've seen time and time again. And I think I read on Twitter there's a lot of cinematic parallels between this and The Devil Wears Prada because she yeah, promises she Paris to two girls. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. it, I need to make that connection. More deserving one, um, but she's Meryl Streep. Um, obviously, she's, she's going to kill it, and it's great for me to just see how well everybody else, including Sersh. Sersha did adjacent to you're, Tamara. You're just tight with all these people. Sersh uh, and <laughs> yeah, Timmy. Yeah, they're just, they're just friends of yours. They're my uh, homies. Yeah, I mean, I think Meryl can like do this in her sleep, but I, I still had fun watching it. Uh, did, what, did, what did you think, Hannah? Yeah, I mean, it's a very Meryl Streep kind of part. And you're, Kayla's right that there's like a little bit of Miranda Priestly in this. But I mean, she's great. You know, it's not a it's not a huge character, and you know she pops up and it's fun. You know, she gets some funny lines in there. She has funny lines, but I also I also like how she's she's very good at just like looking repulsed by Lori, yeah, which is also a thing that, in the book. Yeah, <laughs> that moment where Meg tries to kiss her and she's like, "Oh no, <laughs> I don't think so." I don't like being uh, kissed. <laughs> I was like, "No." Um, I kept getting distracted, and I hope this doesn't ruin anything for anybody who's listening. But during some random interview, I believe with Greta. Um, she said, that, yeah, the poodle named Michael. It's like the little poodle Meryl Streep is holding during the little women's <laughs> name Michael. is Michael. So when I saw it for the first time, 
all I was thinking about was like that poodle's name is Michael. <laughs> and I was even paying attention to Meryl Streep on screen because I was like, that dog's name is Michael. It just like struck me and I just couldn't get it out of my head. What was the, the name of the what was the name of the dog last year that was in both Game Night and Widows? Is that Olivia? Or was Olivia. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have been, yeah, cool Olivia. That, been cool if that dog just got to have like a huge run and got to be in this movie too and just like got to pop uh, up in all centuries. Better um, career than me. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, 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 did, I couldn't, couldn't not mention Meryl. I didn't really have like a lot of other the, uh, the performances to mention. Just there's a version of this movie in which I want more out of the Frederick Bear character, but I don't need anything more from him if I'm choosing to believe that he didn't end up with Joe. So I don't really have anything else to say on that guy. Uh, sorry, Kayla, go ahead. I was gonna say. I, I wanted at least a little bit more of a, a romantic tension between Lori and Joe. Um, and perhaps it was just because it was supposed to feel so unrequited. I got well, that. was what I that said at the beginning, and you said you didn't need it. From Lori. I, don't, I mean, you don't need it because it's not her, her yeah. focus, but I do feel like we need a little bit, a slightly better payoff for that. Yeah, there, um, I mean, there's a there, in the book, there's like a lot where it's like him just like heavily laying it on thick, and she very casually brushes it off a lot. And I, I could have seen, I, I, I would have gotten a kick out of just a few more scenes of like, of Timmy doing that, you know? Yeah. And it just wasn't quite as sad as I wanted it to be. I wanted it to like, really like, you know, make me like, not just like, you want her to break his heart, cry, but cry, cry. Like you wanted her, you wanted her to break his heart and feel it more. You wanted to feel that more. Yes. I just wanted a little bit more something. Um, but instead I kind of just was like, huh, but like, perhaps it's because I know how the story goes, you know, and I, the first time I saw this film, it was in 1994 version. So maybe that's why I felt it a little bit more, but also there's more, I don't know, Chris, Christian Bale was more whispery and like melodramatic and there yeah, was more yeah. in general. So I don't know. I, I really like, uh, and again, I, I, I again, I think, uh, Shirsha and, uh, and Timothy do a great job in the, in, in all their scenes together. But I, I, there, and I mentioned how the, it trims a lot of the fat from the books, but I think one thing that, there were some moments in the book, which, and there, they, I get it, I get it. There's just not enough room for just like all these random conversations that they're having. But again, this is the 1800s. They don't have the internet. They have, they have to talk mm-hmm. to each other. So like little conversations that seem like little things, it'll be like, there's like at least three instances in the book where Lori like makes some kind of off color. I don't even want to say off color, but just some comment that rubs the girls the wrong way. And then it turns into this whole thing where they gang up on him and it turns into like a whole indictment of his character. And it turns into like a, like, like a six page thing where they're just all going off on him. And I'm like, oh, it would have been funny if there were like a few more scenes like that of them just like all like giving him, uh, giving him a really hard time. And I guess I could have used just some more interactions from them, like the scene where he jumps out and he joins their theater society. Like that's fun, but I could have maybe had more scenes of just like people talking in rooms, also. You know, you do get a little bit of light into his character when he, well, first of all, he shows up just totally wasted to that party with like right. a cult, a gaggle of girls, killing it, yeah, but like during the proposal scene, he was like, I quit, you know, drinking as much and like billiards for you. <laughs> so you, you get a sense that he is like a debauched guy. Um, but I think the 1984 version and like the book obviously explores it a little bit more. So it makes it a little bit more, I guess, interesting and perhaps a little bit more heart wrenching when he's rejected by Joe. Definitely. Uh, Hannah, any other final thoughts on you from the movie or anything I forgot to ask you about or anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off? No, I think we covered pretty much everything, you know, it was a good movie and I liked it. I don't know what else. I can't think of anything else specific that I have to say yeah. about it. Kayla, what about you? Ditto. No, what if I just ended on that? <laughs> yeah, you um, know, I, I, th- I don't honestly, think... Honestly, the same. Yeah. yeah. I don't think... Unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to get around to posting this until like... Uh, 
right after the Oscar nominations come out because uh, I got I, I got to post the Cats podcast. Uh, in theory, I guess I could just put Cats on hold and then post this one first. But I don't really have a whole lot to add on it though. On like any awards discussion, it, I think it deserves more than it seems like it's going to get just based on like how it did at the Golden Globes. But this movie has made a ton of money. A lot of people are seeing it, and I think as of this recording is like right about the time that Oscar voting is going to close. So this is kind of like I think it ended today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I knew it happened sometime today. I don't know if there's really much else that can be said for it. It seems like, unfortunately, I mean, unless, it gets surprised because like it made so much money in the last couple of weeks, and like a lot of people probably watch it. Like people that like get get the screeners and as Academy members probably are like, oh, this is a cool one to watch with my family. So maybe it actually did pretty well. But like what at the, I think at the. Um, at the Golden Globes, who got I don't even know who really was nominated besides uh, besides Shearsha. Yeah, I, I don't say. Oh, I know that Greta didn't get a Best Director nom. Yeah, um, which I thought was a snub. So that's I guess that's I the mean, thing. This movie's like beautiful and it's pretty incredible. That's a wish like for how, me. how like just how well just how Greta put her own spin on this because I, I one thing I don't again we're not gonna spend five minutes here predicting awards because one i'm unfortunately probably not going to get that many two i'm going to be posting this after oscar nominations are announced but i i do feel comfortable saying right now that it seems like just about every single awards body that gets the vote on directors is kind of really screwing it up and not nominating like any female director and i don't understand how you can watch this movie or the or the farewell for that matter and just be like yeah you mm-hmm. know what? i don't think this is like one of the five best directed movies of the year like i, I it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very it's okay. it's like very frustrating where especially i i almost say look i, I i'm probably going to rank this the farewell above Love Little Woman in my year, year end rankings, but like, mm-hmm. I just I think this is maybe a harder overall vision to execute as a director than The Farewell yeah. was. I think it's fair to say, even if I like the former better as overall as a movie, just how ambitious it was and everything that Greta had to do to make it work. It's like, how can someone like not think that's like worthy of like a, a being a, a part of any group of five directors for this year? I don't know. So yeah. that I just wanted to get on a soapbox for a second and say that. I don't know <laughs> if you guys have anything to add to that, but uh, yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Um, all right. Uh, before 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 we go away, uh, Hannah, anything you want to plug? Your letterbox, your Twitter, anything like that? Uh, yeah, my Twitter is at h g c o u t u r e, and my letterbox is Hannah G C. Yeah, I'm making I'm, I'm making Hannah put together a top ten, right? So I gotta do it. Yeah, people can people can right. find, find that there <laughs> at some point. Uh, Kayla, where can people find anything of yours? I know you're 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 in law school now, so I know you might be taking yeah, a little break from I, journalism. Yeah, I have less of a so. life now. I don't write as much, but yeah. you can follow me on Twitter at at Kayla Stetzel, that's K-A-Y-L-A-S-T-E-T-Z-E-L. Most of the time, I'm not funny, but who knows? I yeah, might uh, write some more uh, stuff. Don't say that. Kayla's, like, way funnier than me on Twitter. <laughs> and, like, she has, like, puts, I don't know if you put many th- th- thought in your tweets, but it always seems like you do, and you get more, more, put more funny stuff on there than I do. But as usual, I'm at Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y, on both Twitter and Letterboxd. The podcast Twitter is Rewind Movie Pod. The Gmail is the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. So send any feedback to us there uh, coming up next i guess we'll have podcasts on uncut gems and on 1917 and then after that i guess i'll probably try and figure out how i'm going to organize my movie year end stuff because at that point most of the people will have seen everything and then we'll uh be on to the 2020 movies unless there's any stragglers and foreign stuff that comes out that i feel compelled to talk about so kayla hannah thanks for joining me hope we'll see you again soon everyone else thanks for listening we'll see you next time